Hello and welcome to this episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. My name is Phoebe. Uh, and this week we have a returning guest, uh, someone that we've wanted to have on for a while uh, to talk about, uh, well, to actually talk about um, the last time uh, Mike, you came on. Uh, so by the way, yeah, we have Mike Isaac back. Uh, Mike is a New York Times tech reporter. Uh, he is also wrote he also wrote Super Pump, The Battle for Uber, which is a television show starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, forgot about that. Forgot about forgot Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in that. Um, yeah. uh, last time we had you on, we asked you to come talk about Elon stuff, and you had just kind of started looking at you. So you had just, I think, taken on the quote unquote the Elon beat. And yeah. uh, I guess I wanted Never to ask really. since, since the last time you come on, like you know, what what's the Elon beat been like? Have you? Uh, uh, has it been surprisingly more normal than you expected or? <laughs> I mean, normal for him. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, and I still owe you guys books that I've been staring at in my corner and haven't sent. So I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, we got something to add you. to that. We want to, we want a, a JGL intro. Okay. I'll be, I'll be on that too. He's, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to need, I'm going to need one of them. I'm going to need, I'm going to need, okay. one of, I'm going to need one of them for my, uh, for my, uh, for my, on behalf of my, I was going to say on behalf yeah. of my teenage self, but also on behalf of my adult self, I'm going to need. No, I think the, so yeah, the last time I was uh, on, it was very much a, so I, I've been writing about Twitter for a long time. I've never written about Elon. So I was weirdly kind of new to his universe and hadn't really covered him and hadn't covered Tesla or uh, SpaceX or the other companies he ran, uh, ran. And so I always just saw him as this sort of internet phenomenon and he had like a bunch mm. of followers and people who love him, blah, blah, blah. And so this was my like first real up close encounter with how he runs a company, I guess. And it was just, it's, it's the most psychotic thing I've ever seen just in terms <laughs> of like, the most knee-jerk decision-making um, possible. And yeah. no one around him seems to be able to rein him in effectively, at least at mm. Twitter, possibly yeah. at other companies, but like at, at Twitter, it's not happening. And it's the yeah. same. It's, you know, we've, I'm, we haven't talked in months, but it's not changed. It's the same thing, basically. <laughs> so we, yeah, we spoke a lot about this when Ed Zetron came on fairly recently. Mm. So if you want to like hear about some of the kind of weird dramas that Elon keeps finding himself into, then listen to that episode. But the reason yeah. why we have brought up this Elon update is because last week at the time of recording, uh, some stuff happened uh, on Twitter once again. Uh, and this time it was called the rate limit. So yeah. uh, some of you may have kind of gone onto Twitter to post post your little tweets and realized that um, you, couldn't, you couldn't refresh. And also you didn't know who was liking your post and who wasn't. Um, you didn't know who was mad at you about your post. Remember, like maybe you posted something interesting about Barbie and Oppenheimer and no one was yelling at you for that. And the reason why is because Elon um, apparently instigated a new policy, uh, which I like to call uh, go out and touch grass. At least that's how he tried to eventually frame it. But what had actually ended up happening was uh, loads of people's Twitter profiles just broke. Like you couldn't refresh anything. You couldn't see replies. You could kind of post, but you were sort of posting to the ether. Um, it made a lot of people quite annoyed, especially the people who pay for blue checks now. Mm -hmm. um, Elon kind of came out, once once this drama was sort of continuing, he came out with uh, a sort of explanation about what was going on. So he said, uh, to address the extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, we've applied the following temporary limits. 
Uh, verified accounts are limited to reading 6,000 posts a day. Unverified accounts are limited to reading 600 posts a day. And newly unverified accounts are, li- uh, are only allowed to read 300 a day. Um, he then posts wow. afterwards, in yet, following, in yet another exercise of irony, this post achieved a record view count. Uh, so well done, I guess. Um, Wait, he wrote that? I didn't even see that one. That was the fo- that was the fo- that was the follow up. Um, as as uh, his followers or as his like as his kind of ardent fans and followers, including one Mr. Beast, was kind of like, "Hey, man, this oh. might not be a good idea." Um, <laughs> He didn't say that directly, but he may as well have done. Um, right. So as far as I know, the rate limit has kind of been lifted now. But it was really interesting to look at this because what it seemed very clear to most people is that, oh, this is just another case of like, what happens when you fire all your engineers, run a skeleton crew on a platform that is sort of held together by like masking tape and, you know, kids glue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting how he's now trying to, he's trying to spin this as sort of being like, entirely intentional which the importance of that comes up in uh, uh, the later parts of this episode but mike as someone observing this observe someone observing this from uh from from silicon from silicon valley or as close to it as possible uh yeah. what 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 was what's going on like what what's what's the situation what are people saying about like all this right now no it's the whole thing is really fascinating so last weekend i woke up and um you know sort of dysfunctionally opened up my Twitter app as I was in bed to see what I was, you know, what's going on and uh, immediately hit the rate limit thing. So I think even the the sort of concept of you can only view 600 posts or whatever wasn't working because I was able to view zero posts before I got hit. And um, I think that the, there's a, just getting back to that knee jerk emotional responses thing. Part of what was going on, we're trying to been we've been reporting out like why exactly he did it, but there are a few reasons that we do know that he, we meaning me and my colleagues, that he's been like sort of reacting so negatively and so knee jerk and doing things basically that seem like he's trying to kill the fucking forty four billion dollar purchase that he made, right? Mm-hmm. And so one is. He is developing his own sort of AI large language model um, uh, company entity or whatever, right? It means he's he's buying up GPUs. He's trying to sort of do what OpenAI and all these other tech companies are doing, which is, you know, in its most basic terms, building the next, you know, his version of what he thinks a good AI will be, even though he's a very much doomer in AI. Um, and what this scraping is, is essentially using uh, Twitter's body of data, which it does have a ton of, of natural language data and how people on the internet talk to each other to train these systems. And he doesn't like that. And he wants to sort of clamp down on that scraping, but he's doing it in like, frankly, the dumbest way possible. <laughs> is, there a, is there a possibility that... Um... Because I, I don't know the ins and outs of the of the finances of this deal. Is there a possibility that he is trying to recoup some of his losses by tanking, the by tanking the whole yeah. situation? Because I mean, I know he's not he's not he's not a bright guy. I know that, but he's <laughs> and he's also um, also quite a lot of the way that he approaches both his public profile and his way of handling business feels very it feels very Nixon 
like the kind mm. of the, the 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 like the paranoia and the conviction that that, that like everyone around yeah. him is these like you know these kind of poncy these poncy little harvard guys um who mm. are all like looking down on him and they don't even like his memes um there's a there's a, like a little bit you could, you could you could imagine him like being in a little room tearing his hair out and ranting about daniel ellsberg that is definitely something that you could <laughs> picture so so vividly but he also um he's also presumably not quite so stupid that he doesn't understand that if the part of how you uh how you keep uh keep a kind of handle on your user base is by making the scroll experience as as frictionless as possible you need to rely on its addictive qualities you need to rely on its thoughtless qualities if you are letting letting your users think for even a second if you're letting them go okay well i got to be really really careful because i can only because i have a limit i have a quota then they're just going to stop using your product and it's become very apparent that people uh, that people are not going to pay for the product and unless they're a particular kind of person and again like i am not i am not a marketing specialist i'm not a commerce specialist but i know that if you have managed to toxify your brand to the extent that paying for it is like a badge of dishonor Hmm. then that's almost impressive from a kind of business point of view so he can't possibly not realize that this is uh this is a bad idea i mean like i said he's not very bright and he's very paranoid but he's not a kind of he's not a kind of reeling mad medieval king kind of with like chicken juice running down his chin and his kind of finger <laughs> fin- like finger knuckles swelling around the rubies like that's not that's not what we're doing with with elon so i think that he must be trying i think that the point about um him and his uh, large language model plans are probably correct and it probably makes sense to make use of the enormous amount of free language data that people have voluntarily fed into twitter over the last uh what 50, 15 years now mm-hmm. um and yeah 18 maybe yeah oh god and, and yeah I know. But, I know. but in a way i think the only thing that's surprising about that is that it has taken this long for tech bosses to be like, could mm. we make this really shit and impossible to use? And can we make use of the hours and hours and hours and hours of free time that our user base has given us and then reward them by attempting to charge them so it's not an impossible user experience? Like the only surprise is that this didn't happen like back in like mm. 2012, pretty much. Like I'm, I'm amazed that it's taken them this long. Oh, yeah. I mean, that being said, and this sort of like moves us, uh, this kind of like relates to the sort of broader section of this episode, um, mm. you know, because I think it's a good point in the sense of like, well, this was like a very obvious, or this feels like a very obvious kind of um, move. And even though Elon has sort of like done it, and I think as you mentioned uh, off uh, off mic, Mike, uh, that Elon's kind of done this in like the dumbest way possible in terms yeah. of like, not really thought through and again like we've sort of spoken in like multiple times about how this is a guy whose like attention is really really minimal um desperately trying to sort of impress a vague section of his platform and even he doesn't really quite know who he wants to impress and who he doesn't yeah. um but 
you know, eventually sort of reaching this point where he does realize that, oh, okay, like the things that are valuable to this type of platform is the amount of data that people have just like voluntarily put on, put into it, kept into it uh, for well over a decade. My thinking was that with a platform like Twitter, um, especially like in the 2010s when it sort of seems to be emerging, it kind of comes out of like quite specific economic conditions and one mm. where lots of platforms who, you know, sort of realize that they can monetize attention, but it's sort of linked to advertising. And so it's the idea that like, well, we can give out a lot of stuff for free technically, but if like, you know, the, our users are kind of, you know, and they don't even have to like buy products per se or engage with types of products, they just need to look at it. And as long as like the brands yeah. are sort of getting attention, as long as these types of organizations are getting attention, then our value is kind of intrinsically linked to that, which has kind of been like a model for online advertising or like platform advertising for a while. Yeah. Um now it sort of feels like as things are changing and crucially like as we sort of exit out of the zero interest rate economy um this type of model is no longer viable so to me it sort of feels like this kind of you know you have the exit out of low interest rates but you also have like the sort of kind of vague threat of ai um and like broader, and, I, and i guess i i'm sort of butchering the articulation but i wondered what your thoughts were on like how how do you kind of see this like transition? Like what is, yeah. what's kind of, what's making places like Twitter and now places like Reddit, which we'll get onto in a second. Like, why are we now seeing these platforms kind of saying, but okay, these things that were ostensibly free, that much of our branding kind of came and much of our sort of functionality came on the basis that these are services that are superficially free to use. We're now going to like charge a premium for, in some cases, quite a hefty premium. Totally. Now, I think, uh, I think that's very insightful. I think there's a number of sort of changes going on right now that are causing this. First of all, just to back up, like a, a platform is very hard to build. It's very hard to sort of form a culture and uh, norms around how people sort of communicate across the internet. It's sort of, it goes back to like OG message boards and posting, right? Like every, as, as the thesis of this podcast is everything is posting, but like the message boards create their own culture. It becomes sort of norms that are unofficially enforced and in some cases officially enforced. And it takes a while to build that. And Twitter, uh, for better or worse, has definitely has had its own versions of its culture build up over the years. And um, again, this, I mean, I'm not going to make it into a whole critique of Elon's management for the whole podcast, but just he, he's managed to really mess that up in a record amount of time. But I think there are forces beyond Elon that are sort of uh, changing the way how I, how I think uh, people are interacting online, how people view what they consider their labor, what they consider their, you know, uh, data, which has a value to it, which has, which is literal, like, literally been monetized, as you say, for much of uh, the web, what we call web 2.0 history, I guess. Um, and so over the, let's say the past 10 years, slowly, folks are starting to realize that, right? They're starting to say, hey, this is the, my posts have some sort of value. If none, if nothing else, they at least keep people moving through the feed and uh, mm. create inventory for advertising to, to go against. And uh, I should be involved in that transaction somewhere, whether it means, um, you know, being judicious about what platforms I post on or like trying to ask for more uh, 
protections around what you do with that data or, you know, supporting regulations that sort of restrict the, the early days of the internet from doing whatever sort of tracking they want. So I think there's like shifts around how normal everyday people think about what it means to be online. Um, I think that there have been really like I'm not I won't get too nerdy, but there have been real advances in the technology and AI. Like part of my sort of qualms around AI is that I feel like it's overhyped and underhyped at the same time. Mm. And by that I mean like people think it's gonna kill us all. And I think that the tech is nowhere near good enough to get to like a Terminator 2 situation. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think there are serious use cases around what it could mean for jobs and the yeah. economy and what yeah. people's yeah, that, yeah, that, daily that, lives look like. That's, I mean, that's, exa- that's exactly our feeling. Like, I mean, I love the idea. I love the idea of like Terminator 2, but it's about like a really, really terrible version of a, like a young adult fantasy novel because <laughs> I'm like some like poor sap has been persuaded to uh, feed their work into a kind of an experimental <laughs> an experimental model like it's like Terminator 2 but fan fiction um, <laughs> I think that the stuff that we have at the moment is not going to do what people think it's going to do and not what people are scared that it's going to do but there are going to be a lot of dickheads who make decisions and who hold purse strings who will decide that their human staff can easily be replaced by it. I think it will make everything a lot shitter and it won't do any of the robot magic that it's meant to do. So I think it will be like the the worst of both both possible both possible worlds. I think that's what that's sort of what's coming down the pipeline. I think it's just going to be just a a really kind of like souped up turbo (laughs) version of Pivot to Video. That's, oh God. Oh. that's just that's just that's just what is that's just what it's going to be but it's not gonna it's not gonna work properly it's gonna have like none of the use value and as i and as i said on the episode that we were sort of talking more specifically about it the reason i'm not scared of it in a kind of in a kind of robot magic kind of way is that the people who are going to make a lot of money out of um, out of wide impl- implementation are the ones who are saying this is something we should be scared of. And yeah. this to me just feels very kind of Cambridge Analytica. Um, we don't use the traditional, very strong data points that are really good predictors of voting patterns. What we can do is functionally mind reading and functionally magic. And that makes mm. a lot of very dumb people with a lot of money say, Oh well, they said they can do magic. They they've said they can do magic, and this is what and this is what people characters like Elon rely on as well. He is uh he's a traveling salesman. Mm. He's P.T. Barnum. He's not like he's not a biz- he's not a businessman. He says I can do this. I can do this, and because yeah. we operate on this very very peculiar idea that you can't become very rich if you're very dumb. Which is mm, not true at all. Not at all um, true. <laughs> and there are a lot. The dumber you are, the richer you get. And there are a lot. Say, of, there are a lot of very, very <laughs> stupid people with a lot of money to throw at things who are very, very easily, um, who are very easily led. And I think that's what I think that's what we I think that's what we're sort of dealing with here. So like, so like the idea that somebody in Silicon Valley is like really worried about like possible about like a possible kind of immoral outcome of like one of their products like come on um <laughs> come on that's that's not it they're trying to kind of they're trying to kind of weave 
uh, a, a kind of magic spell around the idea of it when all it's saying is, so you know how you don't like paying your workers? How about if there was a way of you just not doing that at all? How about <laughs> we just take that out of the equation for you? But also, it's robot magic. So I think that's what, I think that's, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, that's what. You can sell anything if you add a wizard to it. I feel like yeah, that's it. If that, you I add like a wizard. I think that's potentially true. That's what they should, that's what they should do. Like if I was, if I was pitching, um, if I was pitching one of my, one of my startup ideas, I've got loads of startup ideas, I've got loads of startup All ideas. Right. If any uh, VCs are listening, I've got a ton of startup ideas. Um, <laughs> like one is um, a mango checker. So like you hover your phone over a mango and then you can tell whether the mango is any good. That is I don't know how it works. Genius. That's like not that's not that dissimilar to an episode of Silicon Valley where one of the characters <laughs> develop a hot dog app where they develop an app which decides which determines whether something's a hot dog or not a hot dog. Okay. Well I would actually use the mango one. I I'd mean... use the mango one. I'd use an, av- <laughs> use an avocado one. I came up with an idea. I came up with an idea the other day. Um, like forty variations on different fruit apps. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know if the fruit is any good. Everything is so expensive now. I just want to know if it's any good before I buy it. Um uh, I have I had another I had another idea which is like more kind of person centered, which is um it's, it, this is now this is really really niche but um i think there's, de- there's a definite use case for it uh on friday night i went to a uh i went to an event called swiftageddon which is a rave where they only play taylor swift songs and first of all it was fucking great second um <laughs> it was so so fucking great and second during all too well there were a lot of girls who were looking like they might be feeling a little bit Meh. so what my startup does is right the, is, is, it, is that the vibe of the song yeah it's it's a song which which gets to you it's it's a song which Got gets it. to you and Got so it. the so my startup employs people it's like it's a it, it's a, it is an app job like you you uh you get a little ping saying where you're needed and what you do is the people who work for the app go round a room where All Too Well is playing and they knock the phone out of girls' hands to stop them from making an unwise decision using their phone. So that's mm. what so that's how that works. That's quite that's really N- smart. Knock it out my, the, my, knock it out of the yeah. hands. Knock it out of the hands. My, <laughs> my my only startup idea for Mike, because this is this, this is the episode where we just tell Mike our startup ideas <laughs> is um is, uh, is uh, a, a vapes for dogs. That's the one. Okay, that I've been yeah, thinking about for a dogs, for dogs. Be, actually, I actually did have like uh, I did have a, a, an idea, which is a no. It's actually I'm actually quite proud of this idea. If anyone listens to this and steals it, I will sue you. Um, which is uh, which is a um, safe uh, mapping and transport app. So like so it's like so it's like it's like just any kind of map app but it doesn't send you down any alleyways it doesn't send you across unlit parks Got it. Um, that's actually really good that's it tells yeah, yeah, you yeah. where there are like good spots to like pick up ubers and like weird dark unlit streets to pick up ubers yeah. so that you can choose um like a well-lit busy area um that's actually a worthy idea <laughs> <that people laughs> it is a good idea, which, which is what 
it doesn't <laughs> exist and why it will never exist. Um, <laughs> if I were to, Worthless. if I were to be pitching this idea, because um, uh, uh, I, I came, I came up with this idea when I was on my way home from something, and because it was a big event, so there were loads and loads of people trying to get the bus and tr- trying to get the tube, and I was like, I'm just going to mm. walk to a tube station, which is like a bit further away, and so I start walking. I've got my maps out, and it becomes apparent that what Maps wants me to do is walk across Hyde Park at one o'clock in the morning. Oh, that doesn't sound good. And I was like, I, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a woman on her own. I don't want to do that. The only way of avoiding that is going like three miles out of your way by going like mm-hmm. all the way around the park. And I just thought, should there not be some kind of mapping service which doesn't send you which sends sends you maybe not down the quickest route but maybe down a well-lit route or like a kind of like a like a safe one should this not exist yeah, that wouldn't be efficient and that's the problem it it's true it's true it wouldn't be efficient it wouldn't be efficient it wouldn't be efficient and also because like i don't want to live in this kind of oh you know you know you know you know how it is if you're a woman you can't go anywhere without like turning on find your friends that's not how i want to live that's not how i want to negotiate mm. the world but by the same token i'm not walking across hyde park at one o'clock in the morning so um, you've got to find some kind of balance. But the I, sorry, I realise I've I've managed to get us. I managed to get us a little bit off topic talking about my shark startup ideas, talking about talking about my shark tank plans. Um, but what I would do if I was pi- if I was pitching is I would do that thing that like um, that like whenever. Um, kind of bar, sort of like kind of bar, like ancient barbaric peoples were having to deal with uh, deal with civilizations that thought of themselves as kind of far more kind of far more kind of refined and un, sort of unbarbaric one of the things that they used to do was they used to kind of bring their like their like mages with them so they would like paint up some guy mm. um and say like oh yeah this is um this is our tribes this is our tribe's mage, not literally mage, but like what, like whatever the word was, and kind of, and hope that it would like frighten, <laughs> um, or like sham shaman or something. Yeah, like, yeah. So it would hope that it would okay. like it would hope that it would sort of kind of freak them out and sort of give them a kind of sort of air of kind of sort of savage sort of savage mystery. And this is what oh, I would wait. do with the VCs. I would get just the tallest guy I could find, <laughs> draw runes on him, maybe give mm. him one contact lens with a kind of like the like the pupils like a dot and the rest of the mm-hmm. eyes kind of like blue and white like put kind of rings in his hair and just have him stand silently in the corner of the room and if anyone asks just say oh yeah no that's my mage this is who <laughs> this is who is this is this is my spellcaster this is this is my rune guy this is who this is how i'm going to make this app different from all the other apps because i've got a rune guy not a nazi rune guy like a regular rune guy a fine a fine rune guy i've checked i've checked i've asked him i've asked him that that's the hindu kind that he's got there that's fine it's fine i've checked his i've checked his credentials i've asked for his opinions on stuff before i brought him in here uh yeah so that's my so that's my idea and that's what yeah that's what elon should do (laughs) you gotta move out here that's Honestly, you will, you will make money. <laughs> I think one of the things that you mentioned, Mike, was, well, number one, that I, I had a line which was about like, uh, whether, I, I guess like, I've been really fascinated with this idea that 
um, because of the way that platforms used to be built, there was a lot of sort of kind of like voluntary actions that were effectively labor, even kind of up to like very minuscule points of posting. And like, you know, yeah. I think the point that you made about like, well, even if your post doesn't really mean anything, like the fact that it sort of exists and you sort of exist to scroll through it adds yeah. a type of value to these types of platforms where the infinite scroll was effectively like, well, like a, a really core component of their value. Um, and obviously, like we know what that's like with Twitter, and you know we've had like some fun jokes about how Elon hasn't really understood that the real that of the value that Twitter does have, like the infinite scroll, really is kind of it. And so, if you limit the ability to infinitely scroll, it's not that people will want to scroll so much that they'll pay for your like blue check. It's that they'll just simply like there's no other incentive to do it other than that it exists. But then I was also thinking about Reddit because in my mind, like Reddit really occupies quite an interesting space. Um, I've been like a Reddit user for like a while because obviously, like you know, I'm I'm exactly the demographic that they caught. Uh, <laughs> but like at the same time, I think as Google has sort of become more unusable. Um, like there are lots of people that I know who, if they're looking up like very specific yes. problems, like they'll sort totally. of type in, you know, how to, how to change oil in the car, Reddit, right. or how yep. to sort of like, especially when it comes to like technical tasks, I think actually like post, like looking for a Reddit page, like tends to be more useful. Um, yes. so Reddit has seemed to occupy quite an interesting space in the sense that like on the one hand, it is kind of like the last or one of the last bastions of like what old forum culture used to be like. Um, the idea of like a Reddit community is very different to like a Facebook community or a Twitter community. Um, yeah. And its value was really also intrinsically linked to the amount of unpaid labor its users would do, whether in terms of moderation, uh, the development of like third party services. Uh, but also I was reading that, uh, you know, with the with the Ask Me Anything pages on Reddit, for example, that there are like teams of people who basically like archive the questions so that, yeah. you know, and so, because one of the things that has happened, uh, and we'll go on to that in a second, is that as Reddit users have kind of withdrawn their services in part to protest over Reddit's new plans to uh, charge access to the API, what they're saying, what they're doing, like a form of quiet quitting in the sense of like, well, the AMAs can still happen, but we're just not going to archive them. So they'll effectively be like pretty useless things to read uh, for the most part. To start us off, I wondered whether you could talk about what has happened recently to to Reddit. Um, the news was sort of that they were charging for their API. They were charging quite an extortionate amount for their API on the basis that people, uh, like app developers before, were scraping the site for free and building products that they were then sort of making kind of money out of, and that that money kind of belonged to them. Um, but this has had like quite big implications, in part because. Uh, the user base that tends to use Reddit and has volunteered a lot of their time and services to Reddit now feel quite betrayed by the path that it's going down. So could you explain like the backstory yeah. and what has kind of led to this moment where you have lots of subreddits that are either just going private or are just saying that they're no longer going to like do moderation services? Totally. Yeah, no, I think Reddit is, so I'm also admittedly a longtime Redditor when, um, in my, on, my, on my story that I wrote about it. We have these new like byline things at the times where they're like called enhanced bylines and they're like, write something interesting that gives you credibility for doing the story. And I had longtime Redditor in my byline and everyone <laughs> inside of the times was making fun of me as being like a huge version basically. Uh, <laughs> Which is not entirely wrong. And so uh, I think the, so 
I I've used it for a long time. I enjoy it because it is a throwback to like old school posting and forums, which I grew up on. And um, and I have a soft spot in my heart for it because just because like it's you can find actually interesting stuff. There's a lot of people who freely donate their time to explain things or talk or troll or do bad stuff or whatever, just like any forum. And it makes for uh, potentially like fun exploring or learning or whatever. And to your point about Google, Google, Google's fascinating for a number of reasons, especially because search sucks so much now. Uh, and they are more vulnerable, I think, than ever, especially with um, uh, folks going after what AI might be able to do to search or might not. But uh, I think um, that's why that's where Reddit's value is, is, is you can find experts that know how to do some of these things uh, where sites like Quora has failed, which is like a total joke in, in their results, or, or you know, you can pay for play on Google to find stuff. Uh, so Reddit, in its long quest to, quote unquote, grow up, essentially become part of um, the ultimate end of capitalism being like a public company and like publicly traded. And this this company that was like founded on internet ideals of of, of unfettered free speech and we hate advertising and we just want the community to thrive. You know, that was 18 years ago, Reddit. Now the founder is essentially made an about face. He has uh, venture investors. He has to show results and like just part of becoming a startup with a lot of money put into it is doing things you might not have wanted to do when you were younger. And so as a result of that, they're looking at what they're what they have, their stock of assets, and yet again, their corpus of data, the natural language conversation that the many conversations people are having on Reddit has value. Um, again, looking at LLMs, natural language uh, processing, and using all of those conversations to train AI uh, systems at a bunch of the different companies. Um, a number of those companies have already been scraping Reddit for a very long time. Google scrapes Reddit. All of these companies sort of have uh, this data to some degree. So there's a whole other conversation on uh, what is is are, is the horse already out of the barn or whatever. But um, that is like essentially they're like, all right, we got to clamp down and start charging people for it. But the result of that has also been to piss off all of the unpaid labor laborers in their community, whether that's third party developers or moderators and getting them to revolt because Reddit is now charging for these apps, um, like uh, this one app called Apollo, which is basically like a third party app using Reddit's API and data to make scrolling Reddit easier. But Reddit doesn't like that because you can't show ads in that app. So right. now this whole top down or bottom up community essentially is, is saying, no, we don't want this to happen. And they have an inordinate amount of power compared to like Facebook or Twitter, just because they do all of the work that Reddit Inc is not staffed or able to do. And yeah, it's a fascinating use case in like how pissing off your community can really be painful over the, the short and maybe long term. Mm. What has what has happened? I've been trying to kind of find a kind of good answer for this. Um, but like everything I've found is either as kind of uncomprehending as I am, or it's like it's so it's kind of so technical that I kind of glaze over reading it. But like, what mm. has <laughs> happened to search? Like, why? What? Oh, man. 
what yeah. what is that what's what's gone on there is there a like is there a short answer i think that like the there's probably not a short answer and not one that i'm uh smart enough to know but i think the shorter dumber answer is like the longer an um algorithm has been around well there's two forces i think at work that are the most obvious one is their whole monetization strategy is paying to play essentially putting your ads as search results and getting those higher up and that's over the years the list of things you have to scroll past to get to what's called organic search results and non-paid stuff has gotten longer and longer so now basically the first page of google is terrible or uh they're also injecting their own products like to essentially kill off sites like Wikipedia by putting Google's version of what Wikipedia should look like, look mm. like in there. And just like over time, it's gotten worse because they do need to make money from it. And then like the other part of it is people, people spend their entire livelihoods gaming the Google search algorithm and trying to figure out how to trick it and bump their results higher up in it. Mm. And they've gotten better at that. And Google has, um, for whatever reason, I'm not really sure, um, not uh, been able to change it or fight that off fast enough over time. And supposedly they're trying to rehaul it, re-overhaul it right now, but like it's it's not it's not working. And I yeah. think people are getting that, but I also think they're like so used to being on Google that there's I don't know, there has to be some sort of shift, but I'm not sure if they're gonna or what what might replace it it's sort of one of those situations where where one company has managed to um has managed to form a monopoly in all but name and mm. then they've made themselves basically unusable basically unusable and everyone has sort of forgotten that there were ever any competitors so you sort of just think well you forced me to use this one product and now it doesn't even and now it doesn't even work uh, i had cause I, I had this i had this the other day because um i was was writing something and there's literally just like a throwaway line about seeing a picture of one of the characters in the 1940s and I wanted to say something about what her hair looked like and I didn't mm. want to get the hair wrong so I was like just l looking up like everyday like everyday ha hairstyles for women in the UK in the 1940s fucking mm. impossible it was literally <laughs> impossible to find this extremely known piece of information without scrolling past um pinterest answers quora answers um a like a reddit hair subreddit that had gone dark that um that was mm. that you couldn't that you couldn't click on because it was now private uh pictures mm. of um like kind of dita von Tees and like kind of recent actresses wearing kind of like pretendo retro hairstyles and i just wanted to find out what an ordinary woman in the UK would routinely be doing with her hair on a day-to-day -day basis for one sentence, and it took me 45 minutes to find <laughs> this information. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. And I was like, I knew that it was bad. I didn't realize just how, and like, and you know when you start like having to kind of, um, kind of type in sort of increasingly kind of like certifiable search terms where you're just like going, Normal hair for women, 40s. Normal hair for women, for 40s, not pinup. Normal hair for women, not Dita Von Tees, not painting on the side of a Spitfire. 
regular <laughs> London woman hair 1942. How about if I do a specific year? How about that? No, it's still fucking Pinterest. And then you try and click yeah. on a Pinterest thing that says, oh, do you have a Pinterest account? No, I fucking don't. I just want to look at this one fucking picture. Oh, my God. Yeah. Even if you did have a Pinterest account, it wouldn't work. Like I tried. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever tried using Pinterest. We have been trying like when we were sort of uh, doing some house stuff when my wife moved into my place. We were like using Pinterest boards to sort of try figure out like yeah. what, maybe what maybe like, it is a it is fucking impossible to use. It is, is it? so hard. I used it in it, years. It is so hard to use. I avoided it. I didn't really use it when it came out and was popular, but it's really hard to do now. And like, yeah. I could be here for a very long time talking about like all the frustrations, but eventually we just kind of reverted to like a PowerPoint slide and we just made one of those like very strange collages, which like. <laughs> Even that was kind of difficult, but it was just like so much easier to do that than like a Pinterest board, which is literally designed to sort of make your like fucking what's they call it like your uh, your like uh, pinup boards or whatever. It's it's insane. But one Not of the, the things I was also, one of the things I was also going to say was say was like well one like one of the things that Reddit had that was going for it was the community element that could upvote and downvote stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so even if you were to ask like a fairly regardless of how mundane or how complex a question you ask it um and you might not always get the answer but like for the most part like the upvoted questions would usually be the one that would be as close to what you were looking for as possible right mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it wasn't search in the way that google sort of presents itself as being like the king of search engines um but like and you know and but a lot of like the a lot of the use case for reddit came down to the fact that like when you're asking a question you're you're asking like a community of people most of whom will have like quite in-depth knowledge because that's kind of what part of being a subreddit is about um yeah, and totally. so a threat like this one where they're kind of saying that well like where a lot of the subreddits are going dark and where you have like moderators and users that are either sort of like not posting withdrawing their accounts and so on like this kind of really upends one of the central use cases of reddit and i guess and this was also related and another kind of point to that i was like related to what phoebe was talking about in terms of looking for quite quite a simple question and then having to ask it in a very specific way like when mm. you're sort of saying it and like the weird ways in which people now have to ask google to sort of get very basic answers my mm. thinking was well this just sounds exactly like a prompt right and that's kind of what a lot of these like ai tech guys are wanting people to do they want people to kind of like use these basically use these types of AI interfaces uh, to ask prompt questions in those types of ways. And I wonder how much of that is based on this idea that like, well, the platforms that have shaped the internet for the past couple of decades and uh, that everyone is going to have to use, especially as they get worse and deteriorate, require a new type of interface in order to sort of navigate it. And that's sort of where the business case for these types of AI tools come from. And so I wondered, Mike, whether you could talk about where AI sort of fits into this. And, you, you know, because I imagine, uh, well, I actually, like, even in the interview that you did with Steve Huffman, mm. he sort of, ref or the, the piece that you did on uh, Steve Huffman, rather, he sure. sort of talks about how um, the sort of threat of AI in terms of being a scraper is one of the reasons why Reddit is trying to, like, Reddit and other platforms are sort of doing this. Um, I wondered where AI sort of fits into what seems to be happening now in terms of platforms kind of charging people for like very, very basic services that used to be free. Totally. So I, I think 
to your point about interfaces, um, I think it's super important because I think a lot of what has been happening over the past five, 10 years is the rest of the industry reacting to Google being like the ultimate form of monetizing the internet. By that, I mean ads for for Google ads are content. And so like um, they, everyone just sort of like flocked to when Google was at its best and working, like everyone just sort of went to that interface and figured out how to use Google and like text was the sort of default mode. Then everyone began searching for what the next interface was supposed to be. And everyone went off from this like voice thing. Everyone was convinced that voice was going to be the next thing. So you saw Alexa, which ended up being a big money losing dog. You saw um, uh, uh, Apple's thing, which no one bought. You saw Google try to sort of do a version of this to protect themselves. And that's not really working. And so we've come back around to prompts and chatbots um, being what people think, or at least what a lot of people in the Valley think is the next version of what the interface to the internet will look like. And that's like potentially super dangerous for a lot of different companies and um, the way the internet works right now, because if you, uh, it's sort of like a progression from, we went to like, people go to website front pages, right? Like say you go to um, I'll use the New York Times as an example, even though it's an outlier. You go to the New York Times directly because you get on the internet, you know the New York Times, you go there. Then early internet, you go to portals like Yahoo because that's where your email is, that's where your uh, news is or whatever, and then you're linked out to the New York Times. Then later, it was you go to Facebook or Twitter or Reddit because you want to talk to your friends or whatever, and you get links through there. And as that sort of winnowing down of direct relationships between search results or companies and uh, the people uh, who want to view them has been sort of removed. That has given companies like Google and other folks, the intermediators, a whole lot more power. So that the whole thing now is, what is that next version of being an intermediary going to look like? And as a chatbot, you sort of, it abstracts the information you're looking for even further, you know, like if you're getting a response from a chatbot, that's like, here is the, what I believe is the definitive answer. And you might get like footnotes, which are links to other sites, but there's probably even less, you're probably even less likely to click on those footnotes and go out to these other sites when you get it in like a text-based answer. So I just think it's, um, and again, like all of this could fail and everyone could be like, I fucking hate these chatbots, just let me go to whatever app or whatever. But like, I think that's the that's the thing that a lot of companies are betting on and building towards right now and other companies are reacting to and trying to protect themselves from, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think like you you get this sort of clamp down from Reddit and, uh, and Elon's version of it, which is um, ham-fisted, but still there's a logic to it, um, yeah. you know, and uh, sort of like trying to protect themselves from from this potential disruption that could or could not be coming. And so I don't know. I mean, like just to Phoebe, to your point earlier, like a lot of this stuff doesn't work great. And if it becomes widespread or if like hiring managers decide to replace their, you know, the lower part of their workforce with um chat gpt you know like um mm. 
monthly usage or something like it's gonna be bad because they're yeah. not humans yeah but um that is still the everyone seems absolutely sold and convinced on the idea that that all, all it takes is time for the tech to get better and we've made these big advances so of course it's going to get better over time i just find it difficult to see that there is that much of a world of difference between uh how it's kind of currently functioning with with um with chat gtp uh, uh gpt and mm. um, and just like there being an FAQ section on a website mm. and you're kind of reading mm. these questions and being like, how are these the frequently asked questions? Where are you getting this information from? Are you, are you guessing? Um, and then if you want to find another, the answer to another question. And, it, and I, I don't see how they can possibly be that much more reactive and that much better than these kinds of than these kinds of sections because mm. they're still relying on what they're scraping and what's being fed to them. Like yeah. there, like there's this kind of I think, and I think this is an idea which has been put about, but like I said, by these kind of by these kind of tech execs that by typing the question that is part of the machine learning feed. And as far as I can tell, that's not true. They use they come up with the answer using their existing corpus mm. of um of language they're not using your question to access the answer to the question they're like mm. recognizing kind of maps they're kind of recognizing points on a kind of a language map and then kind of matching that up to what they have on an existing language map like how uh, translation apps work yeah. Um, which I didn't know about until um until friend of the show, Imogen West Knights, explained it to me. It's really, really interesting. Um mm. it it's it it's it's all it's all about, yeah, creating these maps of a language and matching up where on the map the word the words might be. And it's and loads of it is done using context clues mm. in a way that I just did yeah. not appreciate at all. Um and and I think it it must be it must be a similar thing. So if you say like where do I where do I buy uh where do I buy this chair, it's not feeding in where do you buy this chair. It's it's picking out the type of chair and then using its existing model and map. If that's like completely wrong, <laughs> um, but well, as is my understanding, that's that's how it works. Yeah. It's not that, literally well, answering your model. question like it is psychic. It's a no, no, no. I think it the the existing model of GPT chat. We're on Chat GPT four right now, and they there's a disclaimer that says this is based on data collected up until X date, and I it's um, a couple of years ago uh, basically. Yeah. And so you can't go to it now and say, "Tell me what's happening in New York today," or "Tell yeah. me what's happening in mm. Ireland." Because um, it's, it's just not possible. It's, and, and as uh, the internet is changing, those those you know prompts are going to uh, look different, and people are sort of reacting to what data can go into that now. So these companies, it's like a kind of race, you know, and a race slash defense because the companies are trying to get ahead of these shutdowns of uh, clamping off the information that they're trying to access, but yeah. uh, to release the next model and to be able to become more current and answer the questions that you might not have had in the past or whatever. But, you know, just to the, the thesis of this whole episode, it's just, there's 
the, the gates are slowly clamping down across some of the biggest information sources. Yeah. And, you know, that, and so I'm curious what the next generations of chat GPT or BARD or whatever um, Facebook decides to introduce will look like basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And this strikes me as like quite, uh, so there were like two things I was thinking about. One was about what Reddit did mm. when the sort of protests were sort of taking place. And I think that's quite telling. Um, so there's a quote that yeah. Steve Huffman meant when, when he was asked about the, uh, yeah, when he was asked about uh, the protests. And I think this is quite telling in terms of like tech guy brain, but also just where I think like Reddit is sort of, and other tech companies are sort of situated. So uh, this is Steve Huffman understanding labor relations. Uh, Huffman wrote an internal memo to rally the troops telling his staffers that the blackout will quote, will pass. He gave a round of media interviews, reiterating that the company will uh, be sticking to its business decision and argued that the protests were hurting the platform's everyday users. He criticized the platform's volunteer moderators, equating them to, quote, landed gentry, uh, <laughs> and, said that, and said that Reddit may change its moderator removal policy so users can vote them out. Um, yeah. Well done, Steve Huffman from there. But uh, the kind of darker <laughs> thing is that Reddit used, uh, Reddit did something that I don't think was ever really precedented, or at least if it was, then it would be in very minor situations, um, mm. which is that, uh, in response to the blackout and in response to users kind of protesting uh, the measures to uh, charge for API access, he um, and the Reddit team kind of just got rid of moderators, like the ones that were on closed accounts. We just got rid of them and reopened the account using moderators, sometimes that they selected, but sometimes from the subreddit. So there were knocks in the subreddit mm -hmm. that they then made moderators to open the accounts to like make the website sort of function. And this was, to me, this sort of strikes as like, a real as like a reddit user i haven't really seen that before and it's not to say that mm. like no one knew that that was possible but you know when the, lots of stories came out about like racist subreddits for example or alt-right subreddits it took like a really long time for reddit to kind of like <clears throat> clamp down on these accounts like sometimes take them out of action mm. whereas they were extremely rapid about this attempt to sort <laughs> of resist uh <clears throat> yeah to, to like to kind of protest against reddit and to me, that strikes me as really interesting because it kind of harks back to your point, Mike, about like uh, the maybe for the first time, but at least like a, in a prominent situation where uh, moderators, developers, users really do have to consider what their relation to Reddit actually is. And even as a moderator, as someone who is kind of like, you know, you go in sort of thinking that, well, you know, Reddit as a platform has always been like very light touch. And so all the issues that happen in the, in the subreddits are down to moderators and communication between them only to then sort of realize that, oh no, the people who really kind of are making calling the shots here <clears throat> are very much like Reddit staffers, uh, mm. managers and so on. And I wondered whether like this would yeah, whether like whether there is like sort of going to be a permanent effect on this, because at the moment it feels like Reddit is kind of Reddit kind of believes that they've won. And yeah, yeah. that like these pro like lots of the subreddits who closed down, they've now opened up. Uh some have sort of said that they're not going to do as much moderation, but others are kind of like, well, we just sort of have to deal with things as the way they are, because like, well, where else are we really gonna go? Um, but do you think that this has kind of had a long-term effect on how Reddit users and moderators like view themselves like is there going to is is there a feasible future for example where moderators might for example want to be paid or uh you know mm. or like those types of positions that are now considered to be a form of labor because especially if it's facilitating reddit in its broader goals of like 
doing an IPO or becoming like a much bigger and more uh, integrated company that the moderators will kind of consider themselves part of that and therefore uh, entitled to remuneration, compensation and so on. Like, where does this kind of where do you think this kind of goes? So I I, I saw a really good uh, skeet on Blue Sky. Uh, I think we're still calling them skeets, uh, uh, which is still hilarious. <laughs> we got that into The New York Times. Uh, and I managed to get it in there without the editor or uh, co-writer knowing where the, where the work came <laughs> from in pop culture. Uh, and so, but I saw a really good skeet, skeet the other day that said, like, you know, Reddit is acting, uh, really Huffman and Reddit uh, uh, management is acting as if they won because their assumption is that people have nowhere else to go. Mm. And I... I think that might have been a okay assumption to make maybe a few years ago, five, 10 years ago, something like that, because a lot of sort of power and um, the center of what social networks look like had consolidated around some of these sites. And I feel like that's probably not a safe assumption right now. I feel like a lot of stuff is in flux and the chaos on Twitter, the sort of upsetness and up revolt on Reddit, um, whatever Facebook slash Instagram slash um, WhatsApp and Messenger are doing to their products, um, TikTok becoming sort of a emerging competitor very quickly in the relative scheme of things. Um, and then like this whole universe of smaller apps that are professing to do better than these other companies. I do feel like things feel unsettled for people online in a way that ha hasn't been the case in a while. And so mm -hmm. the the trade-offs is um, is like, how much time have I invested in this platform? How much do I want to spend making it work? Much time do I want to spend making it work versus like picking up my bags and going and trying this new thing? And that's hard. And that's the sort of weapon or advantage that Reddit Reddit or Twitter has in keeping the users that it's bleeding, you know, like I have a couple hundred thousand followers on Twitter and it would be a pain in the ass for me to do that again on other mm. sites. And for just for me professionally, it is, I have to sell a book. I have to promote my story. Like these tools for better or worse are part of how I have to do my job these days. So Mm. What that is the sort of thing they hold over me. But at the same time, you know, if people sort of are moving um, in mass to these other things, there are opportunities to upset them or at least like have the leverage to say you're you can't treat us like this management. You have to, you know, do something different, whether that's don't like radically take over um, the forum that I've been moderating or don't have this was essentially a scab replace me and and open up the thing um or just start paying us or whatever the thing that i think is a little i don't i'm very skeptical of is like everyone a lot of the new competitors seem to believe that um decentralization and blockchain and stuff like that is going to be the answer to this and i'm very uh wary of that being like a catch-all solution but um there is um at least some momentum around um decentralized platforms but i just i don't know i'm i'm i think all that shit gets very technical and normal users tune out when you say well you know 
we're going to be decentralized. Like, they don't give a shit. They mm. just want to, like, post and, like, look at stuff and not worry about all this other crap. Mm. I think that's, like, probably a good, that's probably, like, a good place to end this on, at least right now while this situation is in flux. Uh, I'm pretty, I, I will, I'll be keeping tabs out on the, uh, on, on what happens with, uh, I don't know if, if civil war is really the right way to call it. Uh, whatever, hap- whatever happens, whatever happens on Reddit. Um, oh, I and then forgot- there's threads, right? There's uh, uh, the Facebook thing, threads coming out soon. Oh, God. I, I haven't. <laughs> I, I don't think we've. I don't think we've looked into that. Um, but yeah, I have seen yeah, people. Yeah. I've seen people talking about threads, and I'm just like, oh. Jesus. Uh, well, thing. we'll see. We'll see. Threads, threads, skeets. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm becoming. Oh, anyway uh we'll, we'll keep a tab on all of that maybe we'll do an episode on skeets and we'll invite mike back on uh but in the meantime mike thank you so much for uh coming on and joining us once again if people want to read yeah. your work uh how can they do that yeah yeah so uh i write for the new york times um i would love for folks to read super pumped uh it is available where all fine books are sold and um i am working on another book right now on facebook and Mark Zuckerberg in particular, and uh, that will hopefully be out in a couple of years. I don't know. It's really, I I do not recommend writing a book. Do you reckon we'll be out by the time Elon and Mark fight? Because that could be a good good thing to tell outside of like the arena. (laughs) I would show up (laughs) with a dump truck of fucking books and just say, buy them. Oh my God. That might, again, that might actually happen. Just FYI. Like, (laughs) don't get your hopes up, but like, this insane thing might happen, so that's a uh, Well, I'm looking forward to uh, looking. Well, look, if that does happen and it happens in California, maybe I'll hit you up to be like, can we do like a live live commentary <laughs> on, uh, on on the like uh, UFC? Um, you no, yeah, de- definitely check this out. We'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, thank you for listening to this free episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have bonus content on our Patreon. We have bonus interviews, uh, film reviews. Uh, lots of really good episodes so check that out it's five bucks a month and all your support helps us to run the show it helps us do it without ads and it means that we get to stay editorially independent which is quite nice for us um i don't really have anything else to plug phoebe do you want to plug anything uh yeah sure um i have a i have a little apology about um not having done anything on my Substack for a little bit it's because i don't and i know i keep saying this as like a as an excuse as an excuse it's just it's gone on longer than i thought it was going to um i'm I'm doing a I'm doing a book draft. It's taking up basically all of my time apart from mm. apart from the show commitments and apart from like other like other bits and pieces of work and it basically means that I have neglected the the substack a little bit. But I'm very very sorry and I am going to write some stuff for it um probably this week hopefully this week. But um thank you very much indeed for your patience and if you um are a paid subscriber to my Substack, then I particularly apologize to you for um, not doing enough with it, but that will change. That will change. That will change going forward. I don't want to take your money and produce nothing for it, obviously. Um, you can listen yeah, you're to. Not like a, you're, not, you're not Prince Harry. I'm not Prince Harry. <laughs> I'm not Prince Harry. I got much better ideas. Um, <laughs> I got much better ideas oh, for a. For a pod, like what about what about my idea? What about my idea um, for uh, for a podcast, which is um, Guy Fieri reading under Milk Wood? What about that? What about that idea, Prince Harry? 
that's idea one i've got loads more of these ideas i've got loads more of these ideas just hit me oh up God. hit me up for more ideas uh you can listen to me in milo seinfeld podcast which is masters of our domain um and yeah those are my plugs there's my plugs cool the show is produced by devon follow them at devon underscore on earth listen to their podcast it's called kill james bond it's very very good um that's it from us so until next time we'll catch you later bye 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 now.